is XN Anderson. Welcome to the Principal Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about why Christianity is real. Now, a lot of people don't believe that anymore. There are so many people now who are losing their faith in God. They're losing their faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe some of you have never believed in Jesus Christ or God. But today I'm going to start really basic. I'm going to start talking about a man with a, about someone who didn't believe in God, was a full-on atheist and a very smart one, a professor at a basically an Ivy League institution who became went from being an atheist to becoming a full-on believer in Jesus Christ. The man I'm going to start talking about right now is his name was C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis is interesting because a lot of atheists, when they talk to about Christians, they say, well, they're just kind of, they were raised that way. They're dyed in the wool that you can't argue with them because they'll never believe you. And C.S. Lewis did not fit this mold at all. In fact, I have never seen an atheist be able to go up against C.S. Lewis's arguments. I see, I've seen some cheap insults. I've seen some things where they've said, well, this and this and this. But when actually be able to refute his arguments, I haven't been able to be able to see. Let me show you one example. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, supposing there was no intelligence behind the universe, no creative mind. In that case, nobody designed my brain for the purpose of thinking. It's merely that when atoms inside my school happen for physical or chemical reasons to arrange themselves in a certain way, this gives me as a byproduct, the sensation I call thought. But if so, how can I trust my own thinking to be true? It's like upsetting a milk jug and hoping that the way it splashes itself will give you a map of London. But if I can't trust my own thinking, of course, I can't trust the arguments leading to atheism or, and therefore have no reason to be an atheist or anything else. Unless I believe in God, I cannot believe in thought. So I can never use thought to disbelieve in God. I want you to think about how brilliant this argument is. And I've never seen an atheist or someone who doesn't believe in God be able to pick this one apart and make sense of it. Let me tell you what I mean. What he's saying is if your brain itself, if your brain is just the result of a cosmic accident that happened many years ago, can you really trust you're thinking to be true. Now, some people say, well, yeah, we can trust it because evolution created it. And I'm saying, well, evolution itself was an accident. It was an accident of the big bang. There's no God. There's if, if people say there's no God, there's no intelligence. Then even if I have something that results from something that came from an accident, it's still the result of an accident. And so if your brain is a result of evolution, which is the result of an accident, how can you trust that brain and your own thinking to be true? How can you trust your brain to be true if it was just the result of an accident? C.S. Lewis says that's like upsetting a milk jug. That's like taking a gallon of milk and throwing it on the ground and hoping that the way it splashes gives you an accurate map of London or New York or at any other major city. It's not reasonable to think that it would. 
And so he says, if I can't trust my own thinking, of course, I can't trust the arguments leading to atheism. Well, it's interesting when I've spoken to atheists or people who don't believe in God, or I've, I've, I've conversed with them, a lot of them say, well, think about this, think about this, think about this, think about this. And they have some very compelling arguments, but we have to go deeper than that. Can we trust our own thinking? And from this logical thing, if, if your brain is an accident, you can't. And, and this is what C.S. Lewis says, unless I believe in God, I cannot believe in thought. So I can never use thought to disbelieve in God. If you're using thought to disbelieve in God, it's like cutting off the branch you're sitting on. Can you imagine sitting in a tree trying to say, well, this branch is, and then cutting it off. When you cut off the branch you're sitting on, you fall. If you're saying that I'm going to use thought to show that there's no God, well, you're, you're using a thought that just came about by accident. I love how eloquently this professor at Oxford, and by the way, Oxford in, in England is kind of the same as maybe, you know, an Ivy League like a Stanford or Harvard here in America. He was a smart guy. Now, here's the thing. There are a lot of atheists that imply that Christians are kind of backwards. They're a little bit dumb. They're a little bit slow. They're just a product of their own upbringing. They're dyed in the wool. They're just kind of these, I don't know, faith head type people. And you can't reason with them because they're just that way. But you know, C.S. Lewis didn't fit that mold at all. And I have yet to see anyone who can come up against C.S. Lewis with their arguments. They'll insult him. They'll say things bad about him, but actually refuting that argument. And there's many. Let me give you another thing that's really interesting. One of the things that he said that I think is so interesting, he goes, he said, everyone, and I'm going to quote a little bit from mere Christianity. He said, everyone's heard of people quarreling. It sometimes sounds funny. Sometimes it sounds unpleasant, but he goes, you'll hear people say that was my seat first. I was there. Or, you know, give me a bit of this or but you promised you should do this. You should do that. Or you did this and you promised you should do it. He goes, people say things like that every day, educated people as well as uneducated. He goes, now what interests him when he hears people arguing is that these arguments are not merely about people saying, you know, you should do this because it pleases me. They're doing it because they assume that you have some sort of a standard that you should know about and they know about. So let me give you an example. If I say, hey, come on, you promised. There's this assumption that if you say that you'll do something, then you should do it. Nobody ever says, well, that's a stupid standard. It doesn't matter if you promise or not. People have this idea. And it's interesting because this idea of what's right and wrong um, happens all over the world with different cultures, different people, people have an idea. Now they might disagree a little bit on exactly what's right and wrong, but they have this idea of what's right and, front and wrong. And he said, the remarkable thing is this, whenever you find a man who says he does not believe in a real right and wrong, you'll find that same man going back on this a moment later. For example, he may break a promise to you, but if you try breaking one to him, he'll be complaining. It's not fair. So there, in his mind, there is really this idea that like, if you say something, you should do it. And you'll see that even with atheists, people who are completely atheistic and saying, I don't believe in God. The very next moment you'll say, well, it's not fair that this, 
it's not fair that this, it's not fair that this, and there's this standard, there's this underlying standard that some things are fair and some things aren't. And nobody goes around saying your standard's a bunch of junk. They, they actually, we, if you look at it, even though, you know, they may disagree on exactly what's right and wrong. They still agree that there's this right and wrong. Now, here's the interesting thing. He said, I'm, he basically says, look, I'm no better than anyone else, but he says, I'm trying to call attention to the fact that this year or this month, or more likely this very day, we all have this idea that there's this stuff, some stuff's fair, some stuff's not. There's the standard that you should follow that I should follow. But he goes, we failed to practice ourselves, the kind of behavior we expect from other people. And you may have all sorts of excuses for it, but he says, this was really interesting. He goes, all of us have failed to practice ourselves, the kind of behavior we expect from other people. This is really, really interesting. We all have this idea. Even atheists have an idea of what's fair or not, or what should be or not. And if you're an atheist, you can't really say that's not fair because if you say that, you're saying, well, my brain just evolved in a way that makes me think that. So it just happens to please me because that's the way my brain evolved. If it's really not fair, you have to admit there's something that is fair and something that's not fair. Or you have to admit that your brain's just an accident and because of the way it evolved, it just kind of made you please something that you call fair, but it's not really fair or not because it's just an accident of your brain. So which is it? Is there really fairness in the world and unfairness? Or is that idea something that just came about because of evolution? It's just something that you happen to please because of the way your brain accidentally evolved. That's the question. And we see people, even people who are hardcore atheists, claiming that there's no right or wrong, but then the next minute saying, well, this isn't fair and this isn't fair and this isn't fair. Well, like I said, if there's no right and wrong, it's just something that you happen to please, that happened to privately fancy because of the way your brain evolved. So which is it? C.S. Lewis would tend to think, if you, can't, if you don't believe in God, you can't believe in thought. So you can never use thought to disbelieve in God. Do you hear that? Unless I believe in God, I cannot believe in thought. So I can never use thought to disbelieve in God. I think that's true. Now, I'm not going to go into more about this just because of the time, but I would encourage any of you who are struggling with your belief in God to perhaps pick up a copy of Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis and hear from somebody who at one time did not believe in God and then became a staunch, staunch believer in Jesus Christ. Now, I had an interesting professor. I had a professor named, his name was Brent Slife, and he was really good at helping us find the assumptions beneath things. And one of the things that's interesting is there's, in today's world, there's this idea that science is completely objective, that you can trust, there's no bias. It's just like science is it. And by the way, I want to give a shout out to, there's some great scientists who've helped 
many, many people with their discoveries, with their inventions, with medical cures, wonderful things. But I want to just point out that even science itself, there are some assumptions that if you look at it, you can see that there is some bias. For example, in science, there's this unwritten assumption, this unspoken assumption that if you cannot observe it, and if you cannot measure it, that it's not worth studying. So if I can't measure it, and if I can't observe it, then it's really not worth studying. But is that true? Are things that are not observable or measurable worth studying? God, for example, at this moment <laughs> is nearly measurable nor observable to some and, and is therefore not worth studying according to science. Just a thought. So I've got to tell you in my own journey, there were times where I very much doubted the existence of God. I didn't want God to be real because I wanted to justify things that I wanted to do. But I now believe that God is 100% real. By the way, Christianity is not a religion. <laughs> Even C.S. Lewis says this, that you should get into if you want to be comfortable. It's not about being comfortable. It's about being real and what's really, really there. So I guess I encourage any of you who are listening to this to pick up a copy of Mere Christianity and, and study it if you're having doubts about God or faith. I also would ask you to think, just because something's not observable or measurable, is it still worth studying if I can't see it or measure it? Thanks for tuning in today. This is Xane with The Principal Podcast. See you next time. This is Xane Anderson. Thank you for joining me on The Principal Podcast today. You know, I wrote a book called What I Want My Children to Know Before I Die that has a lot of my thinking and thoughts about the best principles. For those of you going through painful times right now, remember with Christ, our greatest pain can become our greatest strength. In fact, our pain, I believe, is just our superpower and embryo. And remember, no matter the question, love is the answer. I love you as much as I can for not having met you in person. Thanks for joining me.